you can be seated. Stronger than your deodorant that hopefully you wore today. <laughs> All right. Back that one up. Acts chapter, I want to look at two places. Acts chapter 2, 1 Corinthians 14. Acts chapter 2, 1 Corinthians 14. In fact, I have several little verses that we're going to kind of plug in here as well, too. Uh, my title today is The Helper. We're going to look at the Holy Spirit out of Acts 2. Next week, I want to look at, in fact, we'll look at a verse, walking. What does the Bible mean when it says walk in the Spirit? What does that mean? You mean I walk around outside, close my eyes, and just kind of go where the Spirit goes? Well, we'll look at that uh, through the Bible as well, too. Now, we start out uh, almost every week with either John 6 or John 7, and I want to read these two verses in John chapter 7, uh, verse 37 and 38. On the last day of the great feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke, listen to what he said, concerning the Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive. For the Holy Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not glorified. So we know now as we come into the book of Acts, we know Jesus has been glorified. He has risen uh, from the dead. He's been seen by, the Bible lets us know, 500 people. But he tells them, we looked at last week, he said, wait, everybody wait. Don't make a move. Don't do anything until the Holy Spirit has come. But he tells them to wait. Well, we ended last week looking at Peter, and we looked at all of the things Peter did and all of the things that uh, maybe we would say he messed up in life, he denied the Lord, but then we looked at the change that took place in Peter after Acts chapter 2, that he had the boldness to speak to a very large crowd of which 3,000 people accepted that invitation to make Jesus their Lord and to be part of that initial church. If you read on, you'll see the boldness uh, of him in many other places. And I think we ended with, you'd almost feel like several of the verses and chapters in Acts, it was the Acts of Peter. But later we notice uh, that Paul comes in on the scene. Well, in all four Gospels, and I mention this probably quite often, we know that all Scripture has been inspired by the Holy Spirit. But when I read stories sometimes in all four Gospels, I really believe the Holy Spirit is trying to show me each and every time to wake up, read this, listen to it, look at it. And so I want to look at Jesus's baptism really quick through these four uh, scriptures. Matthew chapter three, verse 16. It says this when he had been baptized, talking about Jesus, Jesus came up immediately from the water and behold, the heavens were open to him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting upon him. Notice it says, like a dove. Many times we think it was a dove. We don't know what it was. But to Matthew, when he wrote it, it looked like a dove. Mark chapter 1, verse 10 says, And immediately coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens parting and the Spirit descending upon him like a dove. Luke chapter 3, verse 16, 
John answered, saying to all, I indeed baptize you with water, but one mightier than I is coming, whose sandal strap I am not worthy to loose. Notice what it says at the end of the verse here. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Well, who's the he we're talking about? Jesus. Jesus is the one that will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. And then John picks that up. John chapter 1, verse 33 says, I did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, upon whom you will see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, this is he who baptizes you with the Holy Spirit. Last week we looked at David. And David, remember, David would have saw the Spirit of God departing from Saul. But the Bible says when David was anointed that the Spirit stayed with him. But remember, when David blew it in life, the prayer that he prayed were those words, please don't take the kingdom from my hand. Is that what he prayed? No, he didn't pray that. Please don't take my family from my hand. No, he didn't pray that. What did he pray? Please don't take your Holy Spirit from me. He saw what happened to somebody when the Spirit of God left. And the number one thing he did not want to lose was he did not want to lose the Holy Spirit's presence in his life. Jesus, we see the Spirit remaining on him. And then it says, he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. So it's Jesus taking upon himself that ministry of I'm the one that is baptizing you in the Holy Spirit. Or I wrote in, Jesus baptizes me with the Holy Spirit. So if we were to quickly look at this Christian life, we would say, number one, uh, we have got to confess Jesus as our Lord and our Savior, right? We confess, we believe with our heart that God raised him from the dead, and we are a Christian, a believer. We're born again, all of those phrases out there. We believe that Jesus is alive. The second thing that we're commanded to do, meant to do, is to be water baptized. Now remember this. Just because you might not have been water baptized doesn't mean you've got to do that to get to heaven. Because the thief on the cross didn't say, hey, I just accepted this guy. Can somebody take me down for 10 minutes, baptize me, and put me back up? Okay, didn't have a chance to do that. But we know there's a, a, a power about being water baptized. Uh, in fact, Jesus commands it in Matthew 28 to go out and baptize them in water. We read in Colossians that it really aligns us with the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. The old person of you goes under the water, and that new you comes up out of the water. And whenever I do water baptism, I'll joke with some people, especially if it's a husband and wife, I'll say, could I hold them under just a little bit longer, just till I see a bubble or two, and then I'll let them, let them up. But water baptism is one of those important, significant things. In fact, it doesn't have to be a pastor that baptizes. Any disciple can baptize. It doesn't have to be in a baptismal. It could be in your bathtub at home. You could drag somebody out to the fountain here at church and baptize them, right? Just immerse them somehow uh, underwater. But you can carry out and do those things. But only Jesus baptizes us with the Holy Spirit. So notice we see salvation, we see water baptism, we see uh, Holy Spirit baptism. In fact, salvation is that one part and that one guarantee that I'm going to spend eternity with Jesus and God. 
I'm going to spend eternity with you. I'm going to be your neighbor. No, <laughs> some of you got real quiet. Now tell the person next to you, I'm, I'm glad I get to spend eternity with you. <laughs> yeah. Some of you are real quiet. Salvation is that when I confess Jesus as Lord. Water baptism is that public announcement that I'm saying as I'm being baptized, I'm following Jesus with my life. The Holy Spirit baptizes us with that empowerment to live out this life, to be bold, to be a witness, to pray for people, a language to speak in. In fact, Jesus describes our relationship with him as the vine and the branch. The vine and the branch being connected one to one another. Isn't that powerful to think that Jesus is still connected to us? But he wants to empower us with the Holy Spirit. Now I had to look this up. Do you know how many languages are currently spoken around the world? 6,909 languages. 6,909 languages are spoken around the world. The number one language, if, you, if they were to tally up, is Mandarin Chinese, number one. Number two is Spanish. Number three is English. Number four is Hindi. And number five is Arabic. Think about that for a minute. Those are the top five languages spoken. And they're telling you nowadays, if you are just having a child, they're telling you to teach your child these languages in order, besides uh, English if you live in America, Mandarin, Spanish, and Arabic, right? Mandarin, Chinese, Spanish, and Arabic, those three. And the most difficult to write are Chinese and also Japanese and probably some of the Korean as well too. So think about all of those languages. 224 languages are spoken in Los Angeles alone. 224 languages. But they tell you the best way to learn a language is not Rosetta Stone. It's not Spanish in high school if you're learning Spanish. It's to immerse yourself in the culture so that your everyday part of life, you're speaking, you're learning. The immersion is the best way to do it, to learn a language. Let's take the English language. If you're in England, the United Kingdom, they speak English different than you and I. They have funny little sayings, don't they? Chip, chip, cheerio. What does that mean? They have all these different sayings. Scottish people are more difficult to understand as well, too. But they're speaking English. You go to the Ireland. Ireland sounds really, Irish sounds really cool, doesn't it? But they have a different way of English. Well, they come to Canada. Canada throws out, they owe, eh, right? Eh, 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 what? Eh, 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 no, eh, E-H. Oh, okay, I thought you said eh. They have a different way of doing it. Then you come to the United States. You go to the South, they speak differently. They have what some may call a draw. Go to New York. They speak English a little bit different. Know that you know a New Yorker, don't you, by the way that they talk. Then you go to Minnesota, and they've got a different way of talking, too. And then you come to California. You know, it used to be the surfer lingo and the valley girl and, you know, all of those. Then you go to Louisiana. And that's a whole different type of English. That's got French, Creole, everything in there. They're hard to understand as well, too. But it's still English. 
How many of you here are bilingual? Raise your hand. Bilingual. How many of you here know three languages? Anybody? Three? Anybody know more than three? Okay, how many of you Americans like me know one language? <laughs> and that's how you can tell. You can spot an American because they only know one language. You know, most of our world, most of the earth right now, most countries know at least two languages. They're taught that in school. So here's what's interesting as we talk about in Acts 2 of the Holy Spirit speaking. And when we talk about the topic of speaking in tongues, then why can't God have a language? Genesis 11, he confused all of their languages because they had conspired to build a tower. And now we have 6,909 languages all over the place. You know, and I remember my kids when they were tiny and they began to speak. And I believe both of them, their first words were dada. Is that correct? Yeah, see? <laughs> see, I can confirm that, right? Everybody heard that? It's being recorded. It was dada. Right? I didn't coerce them. I didn't have that audio file playing for eight hours all night long. Dad, 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 right? And then it was mama and papa, whatever, all the different. But a child doesn't initially learn to speak right away. They learn syllables. The more that they're, they hear things, they say things. It's almost like learning a new language. If I decided today that I wanted to learn a language, I would probably learn a word or two or something to say and try to build on that. There's nobody that can go home today, get on Rosetta Stone, and learn Mandarin Chinese and be fluent tonight to go anywhere. It's part of that, that language, that process. Well, turn to me. Uh, you've been there for a little while. Acts chapter 2. Remember, Jesus told them to wait. He wanted them empowered. He wanted them gathered together. He wanted them to wait for the promise of the Spirit. He talked about it in John 14 and 15 and 16. He used the spirit of truth. He used the helper, the teacher, all of those things. But he wanted them to wait before they ever launched out to do anything for him. He wanted them to wait. We read these four verses. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there was a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now we won't read down. You can read down later. Some people heard their language being spoke. Some people thought maybe the way that they were talking was drunk. But here's what we read in the Bible. When we read the day of Pentecost, the word Pentecost does not mean a crazy person that goes to church. Okay? It means 50. The word Pentecost translated means 50. It was going to be 50 days from that last Passover. In fact, uh, that word, the 50th, Days. You know, I have people all the time, they'll say, now, is your church one of them Pentecostal churches? And I'll say, what do you mean by Pentecostal? Well, I'm, I'm, you know, you know what I mean. Well, what do you mean? You know, are they swinging from chandeliers? You, you gotta get, no, right? No, no, no. We always have these terminologies thrown out there when we say Pentecost. 
Pentecostal world, we all have pictures. We've all seen things. We've all heard certain things. That's why what's most important is that when we study or look at these topics, we look at it through the Bible and what the Bible says and how to conduct those things. Now, does that mean that somebody might have done something excited about doing it? Absolutely, right? I'm glad when somebody says, hallelujah, praise God, raises their hand, claps. Right? That's an expression of that joy. That's part of the Holy Spirit, that joy that comes on your life. But when we read this, it's that 50th day out there. But here's what the promise of waiting was for. The Holy Spirit would prepare them to be a witness. The Holy Spirit would give them power. In a little bit in Acts, you can read it later, uh, they're asked for money, and Peter and John say, we don't have money, but here's what we have. In the name of Jesus, rise and walk. Right? Gave them that power. It gave them boldness to stand up in courts, to be persecuted, to be beaten, to be thrown in prison, and still bless the name of the Lord and still get out and preach and be persecuted and start churches and preach. It gave them the power to endure those things. But it also gave them this. It gave them a language by which they could pray through. A language by which they could pray, pray through. Jesus wanted to make sure in Acts chapter 2, before the 120 ever went out to do anything, that they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And yet we read earlier in Acts 19 that there were disciples that said, I haven't heard of the Holy Spirit yet. Never heard of that. What is that? We know this, that the first thing that the Holy Spirit changes when he comes is the tongue. Isn't that interesting? The first change is not a miracle. The first change is not a preaching a sermon. The first change is not laying hands on stuff. The first thing he changes in them is a tongue, and it is the language of the Spirit. Speaking out the language of the Spirit. Um, and, and I always have to mention this, and this is what I think people get scared of. They think if they open themselves up and pray to receive the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues, that later today when they go to do their Sunday afternoon shopping, they're going to go into Costco and they're going to feel this shake come on them and they're going to grab the speaker and they're going to shout out something and scare everybody out of Costco. Why is it that we think that? The Bible lets us know that the Spirit is subject to the prophets, meaning those are things that we can control, right? Things that we can control. So if somebody says, are you Pentecostal? Now you can say, no, I'm younger than 50. No, you don't say that. Now you can tell them, no, they were waiting. There was a promise for them waiting. So in Acts chapter 2, after they were, in fact, after they were uh, filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. We'll talk that in a minute. Acts chapter 2, verse 38 says this. Then Peter said to them, repent. And notice what he says. And let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remissions of sin. So let me back up. So when we ask Jesus to be the Lord of our life, the other thing that we tell him is we repent for our sin, that we needed a Savior to come, to die, to forgive us of that debt, that sin. The next thing that Peter says, and that you would be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And notice what he then he says, and that you should receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. 
you know, many times we do water baptisms, that's what we pray right after. Right after that we pray that they would receive the Holy Spirit in that pattern, in that row. So then later Paul picks this up, and Paul's going to do a great job of teaching about spiritual gifts in 1 Corinthians. But I want you to listen to some of the things that Paul says. Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 2, and then we'll look at verse 18. Verse 2, he says this, For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. For no one understands him. However, in the spirit, he speaks what? Mysteries. You know what I'm pretty good at these days? I can understand, I can listen to somebody that speaks Mandarin Chinese. I can listen to somebody that speaks Vietnamese. And I can listen to somebody that speaks Korean. And I can pick out the difference. Been fortunate because of churches and things. I, I can do that. For many of you, they all blend and they're all the same. It's almost like sometimes, you ever hear somebody speak Spanish and then they go into Portuguese? And some of it's similar, but some of it's completely different. Well, here's what Paul is saying. Paul is saying when they speak in a tongue, no one understands him. However, the Spirit is speaking what? Mysteries. And here's what Paul says in verse 18. You know, Paul's bold, he's brash, uh, and he's going to tell you like it is. And so here's what he says. But I thank my God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. <laughs> That's pretty bold, isn't it? I would never say, you know, Michelle, this week I read the Bible more than you. What are you going to do about it? Would you do that? I prayed on my knees longer than you. This week. Would, would you do those things? No, you wouldn't do it. Paul, but Paul says here, and it's captured for us, he says, I thank my God. Notice who he's thanking, that I speak in tongues more than you all. Here was a man that was beaten in every form for the gospel. Chained, shipwrecked, uh, stripes, rods. Here's a man that planted churches, started churches, would get in the synagogues and preach. In fact, he says that besides everything that he physically had to go through, the heaviest weight on his life was the care of all of these churches. But he says these words. He says, I thank my God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. Well, if we were to back up a little bit to Romans, he's going to address it again in the book of Romans. And he's going to say this in Romans chapter 8, verse 26. And he says, likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses, in our weakness. For when we do not know what we should pray as we ought, the Spirit himself makes intercessions for us with groanings that cannot be uttered. Let me back up and look at this. The Spirit helps in our weaknesses. You know, and I wrote this in there. I think a lot of our prayers many times are soul prayers. You'll ask somebody, would you pray for me this week? And you may not be specific. They might pray something totally different that wasn't really what was in your heart. Or sometimes we pray, we pray prayers thinking of things that we can pray for. You know, we pray God's word. It's the perfect prayer. But the Bible records the perfect prayer is when I pray in the Spirit. So when I read this, likewise, the Spirit helps in our weaknesses. For when we do not know what to pray as we ought, 
the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings that cannot be uttered. I think a lot of our prayers are soul prayers and not many are spirit-led prayers. Let me say it again. I think a lot of our prayers are soul prayers, but they're not spirit prayers. The Holy Spirit knows exactly what to pray. The Holy Spirit knows every situation taking place in front of you. The Holy Spirit knows every situation taking place with that person that you're praying for. So it's the Holy Spirit that we rely on as we pray. He's praying that perfect prayer through us to the Father. And I thought, isn't it time that sometimes I stop my English only and I pray that perfect prayer and let my spirit pray? I think too many times I might pray my English prayer. But the prayer that's powerful is when I pray in the spirit. We all face things that we don't know how to pray. We all get reports on things that we're to pray for. And when we don't know what to pray, when we feel like we're at the edge of the cliff or at the end of the road, we can pray in the spirit. The spirit knows how to pray. You know, in Jude chapter 20, uh, Jude writes this one verse. Jude, I'm sorry, Jude, verse 20. He doesn't have 20 chapters. He only has the one. But you, beloved, building yourself up in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. So here's what I'm looking at as we go through with Paul. Paul's letting us know that the one that understands what I pray is the Father. Paul's letting me know in Romans that when I'm weak or I don't know what to pray, when I pray in the Spirit, the Spirit is what is praying through me, and he's praying that intercession to the Father. And then Jude follows up by letting us know that it's building ourselves up in the most holy faith, praying in the Spirit. Or as we say before, it's the perfect prayer to God. Do you ever hear somebody pray, and you think, if I could only pray that eloquently, like, if I could only say it that eloquent, there's not a Sunday that doesn't come by that after my message, I, I'll write down some notes. Oh, I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have said the deodorant comment. I shouldn't have. I should have added this. I should have cut this out. I should have had a better story. I should have done this. Shouldn't have done that. I'll wake up Saturday night. Oh, I must put this in. I think it's just human, right? Because you're one. And then you listen to some preacher and you think, man, that guy's so eloquent. It just flows out of his mouth. That just isn't me. That might not be you. But here's what we know. When we pray in that Holy Spirit, it's that perfect prayer. It's what God needs to hear from the Spirit on the inside of us. So a person who chooses to move into the Spirit-filled exercise of spiritual language should be characterized by more dependence on the Lord than less. When I'm praying in the spirit, I'm reminding myself I am more dependent on God praying in the spirit than I would in my English or, or the language that I speak. Praying for him in the Holy Spirit. Let's look at two other verses here. Acts chapter 19, verse 2. We read this earlier. He said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And so they said to him, we have not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. I think that's so true today 
that we don't teach enough about the ministry of the Holy Spirit. We don't talk about it enough. It is the essential thing before any other topic that we pull out or mention. The most essential thing is what we're talking about today in Acts 2 and 1 Corinthians and Romans. It's that initial step of praying and, and receiving that ministry, that power of the Holy Spirit. And here's how powerful it is. Acts, eight, uh, eight, Acts chapter 8, verse 18. And when Simon saw that through the laying on of the apostle hands, the Holy Spirit was given, he offered them money. So here's what this guy Simon saw. Hey, that's awesome. I'll give you 10 bucks. Give me that. Oh, you can go on and read uh, a little bit later. But some, here's what somebody saw. Somebody saw how powerful it was, and they equated it to trying to buy it. But you can't buy it. It's that free gift of ministry that Jesus has promised or empowered or given to us. You know, I, I was thinking back through um, when I was first uh, filled with the Holy Spirit. And, you know, you ever have those times in your life you can go back to the day, the time, the place that you sat, I don't, my wife can remember what we're we-, we were wearing at the time. I never do. Uh, I can remember the night, Sunday night at church, Valley Community Church. They had called for people that wanted to be prayed for by the Holy Spirit. I was sitting up in the balcony. I can remember the spot. 19 years old, walked down, went to the room. It used to be called the North Room. It was before they opened the wall up. I went in. They lined us all up in this big, long line. And I was so nervous. I'm 19 years old because I'm only hearing about rushing mighty winds and fire. And, you know, I didn't know what was going to take place. And I remember I had my eyes, eyes closed. And I was probably shaking a little bit. And I just stood there, stood there, stood there. And then somebody said, all right, you guys can go back to the sanctuary now. I didn't feel anything. Nothing happened. And then, you know what hit me? I must be destined for hell. Maybe these other people got it, and I didn't get it. Back up to the balcony, went and sat in the chair. I was discouraged. Nobody taught me. Nobody said anything. Nobody prayed. You know, nowadays, what you have to watch with people, some people will say, okay, I want you to repeat this phrase after me. Okay, should have bought a Honda, but bought a Kawasaki. I say that ten times fast. Should have bought a Honda. You got it. Right, you got it. That's what people do. They throw these phrases out. No, no, no. That's the language of the Spirit that the Spirit gives. But here I am, 19 years old, and I'm in the shower months later. And embarrassingly enough, I must have been singing. <laughs> but out of me came a couple syllables that I knew wasn't English. I knew it wasn't a song. I knew what it was. It was the Holy Spirit giving me. It was just a couple syllables. Just one or two things. And then I'm discouraged a little bit because it wasn't like sentences and paragraphs and novels and thousands of pages. It's just a couple little syllables. But that's usually how he works. In some, it's a couple syllables. Some some might get a full language that they sense. But here's what I learned when I used to teach this and talk about this with youth. Because I think it's the same sometimes with adults. I was waiting on the Holy Spirit to grab me like a puppet. Put his hand in and make me talk. That's what I was waiting for. That's the best way to give an analogy. I was waiting for him to take me over like a puppet. That's not what he does. He partners with you, with your vocal cords, with the things that you say, 
And as you say those words, you don't know what they mean because it's the Spirit praying through you, praying using your vocal cords, giving you words to say, and that's that language of tongues that you get. Now, let me mention, I didn't mention it. When we read tongues, people get freaked out too. When you say tongues, oh, it's a tongues church, right? No, the tongue, the Greek word is glossia, which means glossary, which means a language, which means a supernatural language. So when you hear that, here's what we think. It's a, a language given, a supernatural language given. If somebody came today and they said they learned one of those 6,909 languages out there, you'd be pretty impressed. In fact, I think in today's culture, I could walk into Costco today and I could speak out loud in tongues and they would just think I'm some, from some other country, right? Oh, I need to learn that one these days. There's so many people saying so many other languages, but it's that language of heaven. It's not a phrase. You're not a puppet. It's surrendering to the Lord to empower you, to give you power to pray so that we're not praying soul prayers or our intentions. We're praying spirit prayers of what. And it sometimes takes more faith to pray in the spirit and not to have words that you understand, but to pray that you know that God is that voice. Well, stand with me if you would. In fact, I'll have our worship team slip up as well, too. And I just want to pray for us today. And then at the end of service, if you would like to talk or if you would like to uh, have me pray more for you. But here's what I encourage all of us to do today is ask. In fact, that's what one of the things that Jesus says. He uses that analogy in Luke. He says, if you ask your father for a fish, would he give you a snake? Would you really give your child on their birthday a snake in a box? All right, let me use another one, a scorpion. He says, well, how much more would the Father give you the Holy Spirit for those that ask? Right? Ask. Would you just lift your hands up to the Lord? And I don't know if you are or aren't filled with the Spirit, but I want to pray for all of us today, and if you need to be available, we'll pray some more. And would you just say, would you just this after me, say, Father, believe in Jesus, fill me with your Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues. I thank you for a prayer language. I thank you for an empowered life. And Lord, I know when I ask, I receive it. I won't be afraid. I'll be bold. I'll pray powerful prayers to you. Lord, I pray today, Lord, for all of us, whether those that just received for the first time or those that have prayed for a long time, Lord, let, let today remind us, shake the dust off our feet, get back to praying that powerful language that you've given to us, not to be timid, but to be bold. We need boldness in these days. We need your life operating with us. And Lord, when somebody asks us now to pray, and we don't know how to pray, we can pray in the Spirit. And Lord, let us be like Paul, 
that we could even say, I pray in tongues more than you all. That we would be strengthened mightily through you. In Jesus' name. Let's sing this song together.